scripture that Jake read. Um, and while you're doing that, it just dawned on me that um, maybe we should make another announcement about our website. On there, you can go on our website, and there's a prayer request form, and you fill that out, and you, if you choose so, you can make it public, and the rest of us can go on to the website and check it out throughout the week um, to see what prayer requests are needed. Also, there's a form on there to add your names to the emergency contact list. Uh, that list will tell you if um, w whether or not church is happening. Well, not assume church is always happening, but um, whether it's uh, canceled for due to weather or whatnot. Um, and even if there's different events such as uh, dinners or or picnics or what, or we'll use that uh, system to remind people of that. So if you're not part of that, please go on our website and fill out that form also. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for this opportunity to come together to sing uh, songs of praise and worship to you, uh, to pray to you, to hear your word, to um, just center today around you. It's a blessing that we can just take this day out of the rest of the week and um, really... Um, devoted to you, Lord. And Father, we pray that this, this day and every uh, Lord's Day that we gather um, would help us to, to um, center every day around you, um, to be completely devoted to you, Lord. We just thank you for um, your devotion and your faithfulness to us, Lord. Thank you that you will not let your name be um, trivialized or, or, or slandered against, um, not even by our um, times of unfaithfulness. Lord, we need you. You are our creator. We are dependent upon you. And we are so thankful that um, through your son, Jesus Christ, that... Um, we have a right relationship with you now, Lord. Father, be with us. Um, use the words that will come flying out of my mouth for your glory and for the edification of every person in this room, including myself, Lord. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. This past week, I've heard a lot of crazy stories. And, well, it's probably just not this past week because... We live in a pretty crazy world, and it ranges in variety. Uh, we heard stories from the local front of um, a female swim team that was forced to have a biological male who identified as a female to be on their team without any warning, and, and you know, you bring along all the um, embarrassment and awkward feelings and even the trauma that they suffered in the changing rooms, um, I've heard of a local story here where uh, a wrestling club um, decided that it was a good and cool and groovy idea to bring in a, a drag show to fundraise for the boys' wrestling team. Um, and I also heard uh, many stories, ranging from Christians to unbelievers, of imposing their will on other people. 
if this person is there, I'm not going to be there, so you need to tell that person that they can't be there. And I've heard that from all sorts of people here. And yes, those three things are all related. It might not seem that way, but we're going to see that they are all related. And then I start to hear questions and even have questions like, how did we get here? Why is this appropriate? Where is the logic or the reasoning behind all this? And sometimes just a frustrated, I don't understand what's going on. But I firmly believe that the Bible gives us an explanation to all these things. The issue isn't out there in the world. It's not even part of all these different processes or institutions or whatnot. It's not a worldview issue. It's not a political issue. To some degree, it's not even a societal issue. But all of these things are affected by the real issue. And the real issue, the real problem, is a spiritual problem. It's the same spiritual problem that has been happening since, well, some, my friend Bill Haller would say day three. Um, but it's been happening since the fall. God has been rejected. And when you reject God, you replace him with anything and everything else. And that's the problem that we see in those three instances that um, I mentioned here. And we're going to show from Scripture, from these verses, uh, this problem and how this problem kind of works itself out. And uh, obviously from the title, we were going to see the solution here. Let me read Romans 1, 18 through 25. That's going to be our primary focus. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God has gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. We start off here with God. He is our creator. He, and really, this whole sermon, I think, is preaching to the choir, but I think it's a basic that we need to get back to. God, our creator, by him and for him that we were made, made um, from, he made us, he created us, we're responsible to him. He's the one who defines us. He's the one who gives us purpose. He's the one who makes us truly human. Without him, there is no true humanity. He's the one who gave us life, the one who loves us, the one who seeks for our good. And in that, in just God being our creator, we should understand and do understand that our entire life and being is dependent upon him. 
Nothing that we do, we can do apart from him. For instance, how many of us are breathing right now? No one raised their hands. That's a little bit frightening. Um, But I'm going to assume that you all agree that we're all breathing right now. Who set up the system in your body, this is a personal individual question, to cause that breathing to happen? What part of you or what part of uh, science or whatever or evolution, what told you that you need to breathe? Well, that came from God when he breathed his life into us. We're depending upon him for our beating hearts and our functioning lungs and our, and our immune systems. And our entire life and being should be devoted and centered around him being that he is our creator and that we are dependent upon him. It's like my little dog. She's dependent upon me. I need to feed her, so I provide for her. She needs to go outside, so I take her outside. She needs water, so I give her water. We are like that with God. We are, I was going to say we are God's little dogs, but we're not. We're, we're more than dogs to God. But against the, from God to the creature, his wrath has been revealed. It has been uncovered or made plain. So the, we're going to ask two questions here. We're going to ask why, and we're going to ask how. And that's where we're going to see in this text here what is going on. First of all, why? And it's a real simple answer. We've rejected God. God has been rejected. Every person on this planet has rejected God. Every person on this planet has spiritually separated themselves from God. We see it in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, who hold down the truth. We deny the truth. We don't want the truth that comes to, um, shooting out like, uh, like a spring in the, in, the, um, in the ground. We want it to be pressed down and we want it to be not in our faces. Verse 19, because what may have been known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Everything we need to know, to know that God exists, not a vague God, but the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, 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 and Jacob, Jehovah, Everything we need to know that he exists is made evident to every single person. And what every single person does is deny that. They reject it. They suppress it. They hold it down. And then something else follows that in verse 21. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. They did not honor him. They did not, we, we, we did not devote our lives to him. We did not um, give him the, 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 the devotion, the centeredness of our lives, the, the adoration to him. We rejected him instead. We threw him out with the trash. And we weren't thankful. We just took all the gifts that he gave us and, and, we, and we hoard it, and we take it for granted, whether it's breathing, 
whether it's um, the ability to wake up in the morning, whether it's the food that he gives us or the jobs that he gives us, the, the, the muscles and the abilities to perform these jobs, the brains to function in such a way that we can accomplish daily menial tasks. We don't thank him. And we traded all that in so to become futile in our thoughts, to become worthless in our thoughts. We've, we've exchanged with, with, with honoring and glorifying God and thanking him and becoming useless and depraved and debased in our, in our thoughts. In our foolish hearts, foolish because we, we, we've rejected God, we're darkened. The, 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 only, the, only, the, the only sense of purity and light of God we've, we've rejected. No goodness, no wisdom, no love. Um, there, there, that one, uh, this hymn that we sang about was asking the Holy Spirit um, to, to fix our minds and to, and to have loves over, of our hearts overflowing with love. And we rely, and we need to as pray those because we don't have those in and of ourselves because of our rejection of God. We need God to to restore those things in us. Rejecting God or disassociating with God removes, in removing the, the goodness and the wisdom that I just mentioned sense and reason and logic when you get away from God you get away from anything sane because he is the truth and when you get away from the truth what do you do you lie to yourself verse 22 and you and, and you become deceived and you're under this delusion that you're wise, but you're actually fools. We think that we're wise when we reject God, but we're actually becoming fools. And then we exchange God in all his gloriousness as, um, as our creator, as our sustainer, as the one who gives us life, as the one who holds all the laws of physics in order. He, he wrote the laws of physics. The, 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 the way that we relate to, 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 the, to the environment around us, the atmosphere, the, the, the body that we have that can take in food and, and take the goodness out of the food that we need and reject everything else, we exchange that, that, that being who gave us all that and what do we do? 23, change the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. We put aside, we reject uh, um, this infinite, imperishing, forever glorious God and, and, and we, we worship the failing, the, the corrupt, the decaying, the corruptible man. couple things here. When I say worship, I don't mean what we just did. I don't mean listening to a sermon. I don't mean praying. I don't mean singing songs. 
that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about worship. I'm talking about a life devoted to and centered around God. That is worship. When your whole being is surrendered, is surrendered and centered around God. And being that we're not passive and we're not neutral in this, when we reject God, that void needs to be filled with something else to be worshipped. Something else that we're going to devote our lives to. Something else that we're going to center our entire lives around. And that could be so many different things. If we look at verses 26 through 32, um, where he says he gave them up to vile passions, he talks about homosexuality. And notice, this isn't like some sort of order of descending or ascending, which is greater than another. But he gave us over to a, a depraved mind, a debased mind in 28. And listen to the list in 29. All unrighteousness, sexual morality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, envy, murder, strife, deceit evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, and who knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things, not only do we do the same, but we approve of those who practice. When we're worshiping anything other than God, you can expect all these other things to come out. The moral rot in this um, society comes from rejecting God and having an, an, an idol. An idol is anything other than God that we, that we worship, that we devote our lives to. And what are those idols? Oh, we are... A creative bunch of, uh, a, a creative species, I guess. These idols could actually be God-made. They could be given to us as good gifts from God. The Bible talks about how people have worshipped the sun and the moons and the stars, the trees, all of creation. And part of that is man. We can worship man. We're always putting men on pedestals, aren't we? Whether they're athletes, whether they're um, movie stars or musicians, whether they're, I guess now the thing is, um, influencers on social media. But we can even do that in the church with the different pastors or missionaries that are out there. We can, under the category of man, we can raise logic and reasoning to be our idols. As if someone in this church or in this world has all the information that they need to make the most logical and reasonable decision. Now, mind you, we are to be reasonable and, and logical, but to think that the amount of knowledge that we have to make the most logical choice is making ourselves an idol. 
That's why if we, based off the information we have, make a decision that we find logical, find out more information later, we can correct our turn. We can correct our ways. But there are some people who refuse to correct their ways because they think that their logic is equivalent to God's logic. That's scary. Another category under man, and I'll just lump these all together, could be our feelings and our experiences. And it can even be our hurts. If, we're, if someone betrays us or attacks us or, or slanders us to other people, or is that libel? No, libel's written. Um, we can hold that in place where God should be. And that hurt, will dict- we're so devoted to that hurt that it dictates every decision we make. It dictates everything that we do throughout the day. It dictates whether or not we're actually going to have a good day. And I'm not saying that it's wrong to, be, to hurt and that it's a sin to hurt. But we need to find a way to heal from that hurt. We need to find a way to take that hurt, take it out of, out of the, the center of our lives and put God in the center of lives and help, have him help us deal with that hurt. Institutions he's given us. Marriage, family, kids, those can be, become idols. Church can become an idol. What do we do in the church? How do we serve? Are these programs happening or not? The government can become an idol for some of us. But there's other things that are man-made designer processes. You got your different philosophies, whether they're economic or political, and those could become our gods. Or um, sports, or even actual objects. All of these things can be, become our idols. And when we reject God, one of these things, if not all of these things, must be in the center of our lives and devoted. And once we do that, you can be assured that moral rot will begin after that. Because when you reject God, you reject morality. And that might not be... Um, uh, um, some sort of sexual sin or, or the, 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 delu- the, 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 the sin of, of um, mutilating your body to become a different gender. But it could be a sin just as serious, such as gossiping and whispering about another person to your wife or to your husband. It could just be the, the moral rock could just be, be that you're not discerning, that when you're given two choices or three choices, you always go for the wrong one. Or that you yourself are not a trustworthy person. That could be the moral rot that comes from, this, from, from rejecting God. And that's why his wrath is upon us here. So how is it evident that his wrath is upon us? Well, if we look at verse 24, we'll see. It's evident because the thing that we want, which isn't God, he gives us over to those things. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. He's pure. We rejected that, so we want uncleanness. We want, we want, we want filth. We want the moral decay, the moral rot. 
the lust of our hearts. We've rejected him. We don't care what his desires are for, for us. So we, so we fill that space with, with us. And to dishonor our bodies among ourselves. His wrath is shown because by giving us what we want. We don't want God. We want these things, so he gives it to us. Verse 28. They did not like to retain God in their knowledge. So what did he do? Gave us what we wanted. Gave us what we were seeking after. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things that are not fitting. We didn't want our knowledge of God to be retained. We pushed that out. So now we get this debased or this depraved, this worthless mind here. And look, right there. To do those things which are not fitting. Moral decay. Moral rot. The rejection of God brings forth all sorts of ungodliness, unrighteousness, and evil. Not according to what we say is the most evil, but according to what the scripture says is evil. And that's the problem. That's why we have people, whether they're Christians or not, imposing their wills on other people, saying it must be my way or I'm not going to play that game. And that's why we have a, a wrestling club who thinks it's wise to bring in a drag show for adults to raise money for their kids. Because there's a separation, there's this rejection of God, and they've rejected God, and now in various ways, they've rejected morality, and it's showing in their lives, and God is handing them over to that. And then it becomes a societal problem. It starts off personal. We each, make our, we each are, reject God. But then you get this group of people together, and they're going to find ways of rejecting God together. That's the problem. But praise God that there is a solution. And it's a great solution. First of all, the wrath of God has not come to its full end conclusion of, of um, hell of eternal separation and rejection by God. And that is part of the solution, I swear. God has not totally rejected us, even if we have rejected him. Because he's long-suffering. He's patiently enduring the garbage that we bring against him. He's patiently enduring the rejection of him. And he's merciful towards us. He's still good to us. Even as we're rejecting God, he gives us daily pleasures, right? The, the, the sun, the, the shining sun. The, when we walked in here, I could smell these flowers and it was a, a wonderful um, scent here. Or, or, or the, the, the joys of hearing a child, maybe not crying, but having fun and being childlike and childish, I guess. And he's also compassionate towards us. He pities us. 
when, when, when we're rejecting him, um, he f- feels sorry for us that we're rejecting all this good and all this love and, and all this uh, um, uh, delight and, and greatness. And while his wrath is upon us, he still feels sorry for us. Going over the, uh, um, in the Sunday school class uh, over the past couple weeks and returning to 1 Samuel, it's interesting to see how throughout the Old Testament that God is a God of salvation. That even when Israel gets itself um, in these positions where it should, uh, Israel should be um, uh, judged and punished and condemned and just wiped out, God comes to save. But even in, in the different people, and, and we saw in Abraham, for instance, he had two instances where he was in uh, 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 Pharaoh's land and he said, hey, Sarah, you can't be my, you're my sister. You can't be my wife. If you're my wife, they're going to kill me and take you. So please be my sister. And in that, um, in that fear and in that insecurity or, or whatever, um, God still worked and saved Abraham. Or even Joseph when he's um, sold off and, 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 and uh, taken away and from his, uh, well, his brothers did not treat him well. It was an evil that they committed against him. God saved him from that. But not just Joseph, but his whole family when he ended up in, in Egypt and becoming uh, the Pharaoh's uh, right-hand man. And um, God worked through him to save that whole lineage there. And so God still, and he's still seeking to save today. Like literally today. I don't mean like in the era of today or that he's working within this time frame. Like today, he's still looking to save. It's not just this blanket, oh yeah, from the 1950s through the 2050s. God did a mighty work. No, he does a mighty work every day. He's looking to save every day. And how does he do that? Because even though we reject him, he finds a way and makes a way not finds, he made a way to accept us through his son. John 3, 16, 17 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, uh, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. His son, the second person of the Trinity, the, 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 the by whom and the for whom and the through whom that we are created, he sends. The one who is perfectly God. He is God. He was at create, what Jeff is reading. Jesus was there. He was the agent. Um, uh, John 1 talks about that, uh, that the son was there. The son, the word was there. Uh, Colossians talks about how he was the agent that brought all these things into, um, in, into existence. But he's also perfect humanity. Jesus is perfect humanity. Where we rejected God, he didn't reject God. In fact, he glorified God in everything that he did. He always came to the Father, and he always sought to do the Father's will. Even in Gethsemane, when he was praying and asking, oh, please take this cup away from me. And he concluded with, but not my will, 
your will be done. But we don't do that. He th- where we don't thank God, he thanks God. He centered his entire life and being around God. The life that we couldn't and we refused to live, Jesus has done for us, for the glory of the Father. And the only way to acceptance is through, through his death and his resurrection. Colossians 1, 19 through 22 says, For it pleased the Father that in him the fullness should dwell, the fullness of deity uh, should dwell within Jesus, and by him to reconcile all things to himself. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross, the rejection that we brought against God, is made peace through the blood of the cross. The moral rot that we bring to God is made peace through the blood of his cross. And you who once were alienated because we rejected and enemies in your mind by wicked works because we rejected, he has now reconciled. He's brought us together. He's made the right relationship in the body of his flesh through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. First Peter uh, 1, 18 through 21 says, knowing that you are not redeemed by corruptible things, these idols, like silver and gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. He came and he paid the penalty of rejecting God by pouring out his blood for us. He was the sacrifice that we needed. He took the punishment that we incurred upon ourselves by rejecting God. The ultimate rejection of God that we are to, were to um, come to the end of, this eternal separation of God, he took for us. And the only thing that we have to do is believe. John 3.36, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. What's the first thing that happens when we believe? I'll tell you. We stop rejecting God. Because we've received the second person of the Trinity. He's been given to us. We accept him. We don't reject him. We, we, We take Christ We receive Christ, glory in God's grace because of, of the gift that we were given. This Second uh, Corinthians talks about this indescribable gift that we were given, this glorious gift that we were given, and we thank him for that. And then Jesus sets us free from all our idols because we're made new in Christ. The old has passed away. Behold, we are a new creation. We don't have to reject God. But better than that, we have a desire that we would never reject God again. We don't have to submit and center our lives on, 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 on 
on these different idols. We don't have to center our lives around ourselves because we choose to center our lives around God because he has freed us from, from that bondage that we were under. So first, we'll, get, we'll talk to the Christians here in the application, I guess. We need to be careful and watch ourselves, okay? Christians, we need to watch ourselves because we are still dealing with three terrible enemies. We're dealing with the devil, we're dealing with the world, and we're dealing with the remaining sin in our lives, okay? Now, it can be possible that we want to please God. We want to, that our hearts desire for God. And at the same time, these little idols start to creep in. These little things that want to take us away from God creep into our hearts and kind of establish a little camp here. Just a wee little camp. And then we, we don't notice it. It's subtle. It might be, here's a personal thing. It might be something like, oh, I want to grow in, in, in my knowledge of of scriptures and theology and faith, so I'll buy this book. Well, this one will help me too, so I'll buy that book. Then I'll buy this book, I'll buy this collection. None of these books have been read, but it seemed like it was a nice little thing to help me in my faith. Yes, this is a personal story. Now all of a sudden, I have all these books that have perfect spines. Like if you, and you can, if you turn them around, you'd be like, oh, you haven't read this? Yeah, you're probably right. I didn't read that. So all of a sudden now I've just created and set up this altar in one sense where there's all these books. And then it dawned on me. I've spent more time with buying these books and researching these books than I have in studying in the book, in the Bible, or, or in prayer. And during... During that time, looking, when I realized that I could look back and see how far I've actually gotten away from God, even though I didn't know that I was moving away. So we need to continually pray that the Holy Spirit indwell, like, comes within us. Like, like, like Todd preached, the, um, uh, I guess, a couple Sundays ago, and that this hymn that we just sang, that he would come and make our, our hearts overflowing with love and that our minds would be um, focused on God. And, and thank God that in these situations that he has made us aware of them and gotten them out of. Now, the other thing is towards unbelievers. We need to have compassion on them the way that God had compassion on us. We were in the exact same position that they were. We might have different moral raw, as it were, coming out of us, but really it's not that different. It's not that different. It's still a rejection of God. It's still setting ourselves up as our own idols. We needed Christ to save us, and so do they. So we need to have compassion on these people. Now, I'm not saying we don't push back against the evil. I'm not saying we don't, we don't, we don't um, bring truth to the lies. We do those things. But at the same time, we must have compassion for these folks. And we need to pray. We need to thank God that these people are in our lives. 
that, that, that God has said, hey, you know, I'm going to place you in this person's life because I place this person in your life. I want you to, to pray for them, to love them, to maybe even challenge them at times. But show them me. Show them the one who saved you from your idols. Pray that the Holy Spirit would just indwell their hearts and bring them um, a new heart so that they would beat after God. That, they, that, that Jesus would reconcile them to the Father by his blood. That the Father would accept them even though they're rejecting him. And believe. Have hope. I saw a video once when someone said, he was asked a question, um, what miracle would you show someone to prove that God exists? And the guy said, me, because I'm a completely different person than I used to be, and that was all of God's work. God has changed us from rejecting God to wanting to worship God, to devote our lives to, devote our lives to God. And that was his work. And the other thing is that Jesus is coming back. Now, he's not coming back the way he came the first time. He's coming back to end all wickedness. It will be gone. And all rejectors of God will be dealt with. So that brings us back to our second point. Pray. Pray and plead with God that he would keep saving. He said, today is the day of salvation. Ask him and plead with him. May that honor your words, Lord. Please save. Continue to save. For the unbeliever, what idols are you holding on to that you're rejecting God? Are you a self-made man, a self-reliant man? Well, those things don't really exist. It was a nice little book, but it doesn't exist. I get it. We're supposed to be able to do things on our own. But the fact of the matter is no one is self-reliant. We are all reliant upon God. He's given us our heart, our breath, the care of our children. He cares more for our children than we could ever imagine or ever care for in our own hearts. And he can do things about it. Is it a hurt that, that you're unwilling to let go, that someone can't, brought against you? Are you worried about other people's opinions? Trust me, my opinion doesn't matter. You can't let these, these little things keep you from the great God. And you can't keep using these things to reject God because there are two options. You reject God and you continue down the spiral and whatever you worship will disrupt your family life. I assure it. It might not be something huge. It might not be something big. But it just might be something as little as your children just won't listen to you no matter what you do. Or your wife will just be bitter to you until, the, until you both die. That is part of the wrath of God. And then ultimately when you do die, you are, your rejection catches up with you because he finally rejects you for eternity. 
Don't take that option. Take the second option. Believe in Jesus Christ. Where, where, believe in his death and resurrection where, where he rejected you. God is showing that he's willing to accept you through his son, Jesus Christ. Receive this indescribable gift. And trust in God who has not ultimately rejected you. No matter how many times you've ultimately rejected God, he's moved heaven and hell in one sense to accept you through his son, Jesus Christ. Don't give up that gift. Don't let that gift slip through your hand. But come to Jesus. And, and, and as, as Ron was saying, get right with Jesus. Receive him into your heart. Receive the Holy Spirit. Ask for forgiveness for rejecting him and for setting up all these other idols. It's not too late. The gospel still goes out to save. Today is the day of salvation. Do not be stiff-necked. Do not be hard-hearted. But receive God and devote your life to God because you don't want him to ultimately reject you the way you've rejected him. You want him to accept you through his son, Jesus Christ, for all of eternity. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your love and for your grace. We thank you for the fact that even though we rejected you, you still loved us. You still sent your son. You still made a way for us to be made right with you, to be accepted by you. Father God, I do pray that you would help us to just cherish Jesus Christ throughout all this week and for the rest of our lives so that we would bring glory to you. Thank you for our Lord and for our Savior. Father, please save those who are not saved. Please send the Holy Spirit into your hearts, Lord, into their hearts, and give them the desire to seek after you. We do pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.